right, happy Friday. Glad you are all with us. Right down our toll-free telephone number. It's 800 941 Sean, You want to be a part of the program. What a week it's been. Well, we finally got 100% in, and we have to double go back and re-canvas and double-check it because we don't even believe our own numbers out of the Iowa caucus. For me, I, what was the best State of the Union address I had heard in my lifetime? That was amazing. And yes, I would say that Donald J. Trump has now been acquitted forever. Oh, well, he's he's impeached forever. You know, some Republicans would say, eh, maybe not so fast, because if we get back the House in 270 days, we might undo this colossal uh, uh, disservice and injustice that has taken place here. But, you know, whatever it's to me, it's. The right results happen. It is who they are. They've been exposed. How could you be as incompetent as not even be able to count votes at a caucus? But then again, this is the party that, yeah, Donna Brazil even admits, you know, cheated Bernie Sanders out of a nomination and they rigged a primary in 2016. And we know that the real people colluding with Russia, Russia were the people that first exonerated Hillary when any one of us would have been arrested and probably prosecuted for the Espionage Act and and uh, clearly obstruction of justice if we deleted subpoenaed emails and bleach bit and hammers. And, you know, then, of course, the dirty Russian dossier leaked to the media. Uh, Hillary Clinton's bought and paid for dirty Russian dossier. What was likely Russian disinformation from the get-go, according to the New York Times. They came in late on that, by the way. They they, they were all in on the conspiracy theory hoax for most of the time. Um, and now we are 270 days away from the ultimate jury. Also a good week, too. It was great to have Rush back on the air today. I know many of you have written us and, and are telling us you're praying for him, and, and we all are. And uh, it was great what happened for him this week well-deserved, and we couldn't be happier. Uh, then we have the announcement today that there was that strike in Yemen. We've been hearing about this now uh, for a couple of days, and uh, apparently it's now confirmed that al-Qaeda's top leader, Qasem al-Rami, uh, was killed in Yemen in an airstrike, uh, yes, at the direction of President Donald J. Trump. Baghdadi, Soleimani, and now the leader, top leader of al-Qaeda in Yemen, dead. Okay, I'd say that's a pretty good uh, track record. And then you can look at the economy. What is What was sleepy, creepy, quid pro quo Joe always saying? Well, GM is back and, and bin Laden's dead. Okay, we got three dead leaders now, and we have every record unemployment number shattered. The best employment situation since, you know, 1969. And the Democrat, what they want the they want the economy back. I'll tell you though, the 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 thing that's frustrating, and I keep saying to everybody, you know, people say, all right, well, thankfully this is over. Thankfully this is done. It's not done. the The only way we prevent this madness, Petty Pelosi, the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar, Adam Schiff. Uh, Nutty Nadler and the rest of the, the, you know, then we have the squad members. The only way you stop this, if you don't want endless investigations, lies, conspiracy theories, and you'd actually like to to free up a president and and free up a Congress to do some work to serve we, the American people, is they've all got to go. There's two things that have to happen simultaneously. One, we've got to get to the bottom. We And, and it's really got to go back to Hillary. Hillary cannot get away with 
the obstruction of justice we know she's guilty of. Same with the Espionage Act. The people that were responsible for premeditated fraud on the FISA court, premeditated because they were warned numerous times, don't trust the dirty Clinton bought and paid for Russian dossier. It's not been verified, but it says at the top of a FISA application, verified. Well, we now know it's unverifiable. Christopher Steele didn't even stand by his own dossier. And when they finally did get around to trying to verify the document, they proved over 90% of it was just outright false. Not true. And yet Devin Nunes told us the truth in his memo, and Lindsey Graham told us the truth, and Senator Grassley told us the truth, that the bulk of information in those FISA applications was, in fact, the dirty, unverifiable, Clinton bought and paid for Russian dossier, likely Russian disinformation from the beginning from the New York Times. By the way, when the New York Times says that, you know what they're really saying? They're saying that, well, if the Russians knew and it was disinformation from them from the get-go, well, it sounds like the Russians were actually really trying to help out Hillary Clinton in the 2016 election. You know, nobody wants to pay attention. I, 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 you know, it's, it, it drives me nuts. You know, nobody seemed to care that Bernie was ripped off in a rigged primary. Now they're actually making public maneuvers to set it up so they might be able to do it again. And they're changing the rules on debates. All right, well, maybe Bloomberg can come in because uh, well, we'll take a shot on him. And he's got a lot of problems today. I'll get to uh, because uh, quid pro quo Joe is toast. I took a punch in the gut in Iowa. Well, it's, anybody could have seen that happen. And it doesn't matter any of these Democrats anyway. They're all nuts. They're all radical extreme socialists. The only way they're going to get votes in their party is if they go to that that hardcore left extreme where they're all going. And that extreme means what? The new Green Deal, $94 trillion in 10 years, and Medicare for all, $52 trillion in 10 years. Uh, We don't even take in enough money for either one of those individually without even spending a penny on national defense or any of the other services that government is supposed to provide you take oil and gas the lifeblood of our economy out of the equation the four trillion that we do take in will you know dwindle down to next to nothing because nobody's going to make any money you know there won't be you know everybody will will have institutionalized economic decline and depression level uh unemployment and an economic disaster that is unparalleled likely can't take away the lifeblood of America's economy, the world's economy, oil and gas. If you have an alternative, my advice to all you new Green Deal people, come up with a technology that that will absolutely replace oil and gas that is inexpensive. And I guarantee you, if it can if it can power American industry and not impact our lives in any negative way and it's inexpensive and you discover it. You will be not only a billionaire, a trillionaire. So I urge you, use your genius, socialist, radical, extreme, democratic minds and come up with a solution. I'm all for it. I really am. Um, Anyway, so it's been a heck of a week. And we're still in the position that I wish I could tell you what the results will be in 270 days. I've made all the arguments I can think of in terms of what looks good for President Trump what the Democrats would do to the country if they got power back. 
Never mind dumping $150 billion in cash and other currencies on the tarmac in Iran and Tehran for the mullahs in Iran. That, that was dumb, too. Meanwhile, the president is now what? Look what he's done for Israel. Look what he's done to the state of Iran. Look what the trade deal he's got done with China. Amazing stuff. Um, and the 2020 front, uh, well, this was pretty interesting. I saw it in Politico. Apparently, she, like Bernie Sanders, is traveling around all over the place in private jets, too. But that's a side issue. Anyway, uh, they're talking about Warren supporters blasting Judge. I'm reading from Politico for taking advantage of white male privilege. Anyway, she, this dwindling support she's getting, Politico writes, Pete Judge returned to New Hampshire. He's up significantly in a poll there this week, riding a wave of momentum generated by his surprisingly strong Iowa finish. If it's accurate, who knows at this point. But he was greeted by pushback from some of the most powerful women in the state who saw a double standard in his declaration of victory in Iowa late Monday. In their view, again from the Politico, reading the 38-year-old mayor's unexpected victory declaration smacked of white male privilege, hubris, and a lack of, uh, you know, equality that a female candidate would be criticized for. In a moment where he should show composure and measure, he's not doing that, said Jen Alford uh, Tester, Tester, Teaser, I don't know, Senator a Warren supporter, Democratic activist running for the Senate, but he's not going to get away with it because that's what happens when you're a man. You can do whatever you want. For women, we are held to a different standard. It's demoralizing as a candidate, and it's demoralizing as a voter. All right, that's what they want to do in the party. Why would I get in the way and stop that shift show? <laughs> you know, identity politics from within the ranks. It is, it, it is beyond chaos for them at this point. It is, it is nuts at this point. Now, morning consult, if their poll is accurate, Mayor Pete may want to keep the champagne on ice. The majority of Democratic voters nationwide are more likely to vote for Bernie Sanders in the aftermath of the Iowa caucus Schumer Shifsham show. And uh, so anyway, that's what they're saying. A full 52% of respondents released yesterday said that they were leaning more towards backing Sanders for the Democratic nomination following what happened in Iowa. And of those, 29% said they were much more likely, while 23% they were somewhat more likely. That's pretty interesting. And despite performing poorly in Iowa, Quid pro quo Joe came in second in polling. Be interesting to see if that holds for him. Uh, now, Bloomberg, this is getting interesting, is now beginning to battle. Uh, he thinks he can wait out Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, Nevada, and he's going to join the, the fray, I guess, at some point for Super Tuesday. Bernie Sanders now is complaining the DNC is catering to Bloomberg, and they are changing the rules, but... The $300 million that Bloomberg apparently has spent up to this point on his presidential campaign has so far bought him about 10% of the Democratic vote. According to the latest polls, he's reportedly willing to spend another billion dollars to buy the nomination. Now, The Hill points out that Bernie Sanders is blasting the DNC for their decision to eliminate their fundraising requirement for candidates. Normally, you'd need 250,000 unique donors to qualify for a debate. That was one of the criteria that they used. He said it's an outrage, and he said during a press conference in New Hampshire, rules are rules, and people like 
former Housing and Urban Development Secretary Julian Castro played by the rules. He campaigned really hard. Cory Booker played by the rules. Tulsi Gabbard played by the rules. And Andrew Yang played by the rules. Suddenly a guy comes in, has not campaigned one bit in Iowa or New Hampshire, but he's worth $55 billion, And I guess if you're worth $55 billion, you can pay to get the rules changed. Now, Bloomberg's also uh, being accused in a major way, and I'll get to this when we get back, of plagiarism on eight of his specific plans. So this shift show within the Democratic primary ranks is just beginning, and it's only going to get worse. And I'm beginning to think Karl Rove called it first. Newt Gingrich echoed Carl's comments about a brokered convention. That'll be a shift show. Might be even worth going to watch. We want to call All right, Bolton, as we roll along, 800-941, Sean is on. I'm sorry, I was like reading something here. I didn't have my headphones on, so I didn't know I was coming back. Now I have my headphones on. Um, all right, so here is something that now, I guess if you're putting your hope that, oh, it's going to be Bloomberg, Nick, that eventually comes in with the billions to the rescue. Look, Bloomberg is going to run, what, anti-gun ads in Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan, and, you know, uh, I don't think the people in any part of the country want to be told what they can drink. Or how much salt they can be that they can put on their food. I don't think anyone's going to believe that uh, he's really sorry. Uh, you know, eighteen years after the fact that he, for twelve years, supported uh, for all those years, supported stop and frisk. And again, that now we're now we're back. It's sort of like the battle with Warren and Buddha Judge over identity politics. And he's thinking, okay, what do I need to say to get? You know, this part of the coalition of the Democratic Party. How do I appeal to African-Americans, to women? You know, how about you just appeal to everybody? I'm going to keep the country safe and secure and I'm going to create jobs and prosperity uh, for the American people. There you go. It's we're, we're one great American family here. I never understood it anyway. So he, this is fascinating because, I mean, it's just out there. What he's done, and that is that he's now being accused of plagiarizing at least eight of his plans and portions of the plans for maternal health, LGBTQ equality, the economy, tax policy, infrastructure, mental health issues from research pu publications, media outlets, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, the inter Intercept found the exact same passages in at least Eight of the Bloomberg plans or accompanying fact sheets were direct copies of material from media outlets, including fake news, CNN, Time, CBS, uh, a research center at John Jay College of Criminal Justice and American Medical Association and every town for gun safety and, and building America's future educational fund and other organizations. Now, I can tell you probably what happened he probably just has all these people he's paying. Oh, you put it together. I don't care about these plans. Put down whatever you think is going to help me win. And that's not going to fly. I mean, some occasionally you can make an attribution error. I try to always give attribution when I'm when uh, I'm, I'm giving out information on this program. Why? Because the people that put it together deserve the credit for their work. Occasionally you make a mistake, but I try not to do that ever. Uh, he did it in mass. That's a problem. 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941. Sean, you want to be a part of the uh, program. So you got the battle emerging between Buttigieg and Elizabeth Warren over white male privilege. Uh, that's getting interesting. 
Um, oh, one thing I didn't share with you, I meant to share with you, is uh, we have polls showing Bernie getting the biggest boost from the Iowa fiasco, although Buttigieg in, in another poll is, is now catching up with Sanders. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, if you look at the Suffolk University survey for the Boston Globe and WBZ-TV, uh, released late last night, it indicates that the former horrific South Bend mayor has now closed the in on the senator from Vermont. Uh, likely voters in the next, as from likely voters in the next uh, primary, which is Tuesday in New Hampshire. We'll be doing the show from New Hampshire next week. Uh, Suffolk, anyway, university conducting a daily tracking poll, and their latest survey showed Sanders at 24% support among likely Democratic primary voters in New Hampshire, slightly edging down uh, of just 1% uh, from the previous survey, and Buttigieg stands at 23, so you got a a real race here. Uh, Warren now is just at 13%. Looks like she's dropped like a rock. So you got the fight with Warren now and Buttigieg. Bernie looking at a full 52% of respondents in the morning consult survey, if you look nationwide, he's doing better nationwide as of now with the base of the Democratic Party than Buttigieg. Back to this Bloomberg uh, plagiarism charge here by The Intercept, figure this all out. I think the worst part of this is, you know, there was no thought put into this because when they were confronted by The Intercept, you know, and they they sent a detailed, you know, uh you're lifting all of this information from this site, this site, this site, this site, and this site with zero attribution. Well, then the the campaign ends up reposting plans and just removing what the intercept had revealed. I mean, is that how they is is that how they make policy up with all these people, the thousand fifteen hundred people already working for the Bloomberg campaign? They never denied the plagiarism. They never apologized for the plagiarism. Uh, and their answer was even worse because they said much of what you flagged were fact sheets that went out via MailChimp, whatever that is. You know what that is? It's an online, I guess, newsletter service of some kind, uh, quote, which doesn't support footnote format formatting. You're going to blame it on some. So basically, you're just taking your policies and making them up from some service called MailChimp some online newsletter service and they don't do footnoting. So therefore you just copy what they put out. So you kind of almost, you know, it's like a double plagiarism, if you will. But the fact that that's how they put their plans together is shows how little thought they are putting into this. And the only thing they're really putting thought into is attacking Donald Trump and trying to steal the nomination away from Bernie Sanders. And it's kind of pathetic Um, anyway, when they announced the policy platforms, we put detailed fact sheets with context and support background. So reporters understand the problems we're trying to solve with our policy. That's not the answer at all, because they put it in as if it was their real policy. So they're not even being honest after they got caught. And the worst part is Bloomberg didn't do any of this. He has no clue on any of these issues. Never done a real interview, never had a real debate. And, you know, I'm sure he's now with 1,500 workers. They're working on what does he have to say about this issue that's going to appeal to this part of the coalition of the, you know, radical extreme Democratic Party. That's where his biggest problem is going to be with the Democratic Party. 
Biggest problem already with the candidates is they can see that he's being treated differently because he's rich. I thought the the label being rich was so bad. Well, not if you're Michael Bloomberg. Uh, Elizabeth Warren apologized after six women. uh, Where is this from? Fox News. Six minority women quit her Nevada campaign. She's now had to apologize. The staffers were working in the uh, early voting state of Nevada. They left the campaign complaining of feeling, quote, tokenized and having to deal with a toxic work environment. The staffers, all women, have all left. It was a 70-person team out in Nevada, and the three of them saying that they felt marginalized and that their grievances were not addressed despite taking them to superiors and to human resources staff. Quote, during the time I was employed for Nevada for Warren, there were definitely, there's definitely something wrong with the culture, uh, said Megan Lewis, a field organizer who joined the campaign in May and departed in December. I filed a complaint with HR, but the follow-up I received left me feeling as though I needed to make myself smaller or change who I was to fit into the office culture. Another organizer who left the campaign, didn't want her name published for fear of reprisal, told the online outlet that she felt that she was brought on the campaign, quote, to literally bring color into the space, but not the knowledge and voice that comes with it, adding we were all routinely silenced and not given a meaningful chance on the campaign. And it just goes on from there. Uh, Buddha judge is getting backlash from pro-life women after the infanticide answer. Uh, you're extremely radical. Apparently, a sweet baby James told me this. Linda, I don't know if you, she saw this. Yeah, she's shaking her head. You understand. Um, and it was really kind of bizarre because what I mentioned the word post-birth abortion or infanticide, whatever you want to call it. And people are saying that I just made it up. I'm just lying about that. Well, I, we have the governor of the great state of Virginia. You know, first we're going to make the baby comfortable and first we'll deliver the baby and make sure the baby's comfortable and then we'll let the mother decide and if you remember what was being argued at the time and it wasn't just in the commonwealth of virginia it went what eight ten states were arguing this this whole issue of even if you are in the process of delivering a child the their bills in these states would allow women to take viable children and quote you know, basically murder them. I mean, that's the only answer. They're viable. They live on their own um, at that point. And, but even during the birthing process. Anyway, we're going to pull up that old tape because to me, it shocked the conscience. I would have thought that issue had died for the Democratic Party because, and it didn't, it actually went more viral and other states started adopting versions of it. This is what the governor of the Commonwealth of Virginia said. It's his own words for those of you attacking me on social media. If a mother is in labor, I can tell you exactly uh, what would happen. Um, the infant would be delivered. Uh, the infant would be kept comfortable. Uh, the infant would be resuscitated if, if that's what the uh, mother and the family desired. And then a discussion would ensue between the physicians and the mother. The baby would be delivered. The baby would be made comfortable. The baby would be resuscitated if that's what the mother decided. Well, the baby is now a person. The baby is 
you know, when did we get that cold hearted? How is that possible? I mean, it shocks the conscience. And in the lead up, you had this state rep, Kathy Tran, describing that it would be legal during the birthing process. In other words, you're giving birth to a baby, but you could still have an abortion, according to her bill. Listen. How late in the third trimester could a, a physician perform an abortion if he indicated it would impair the mental health of the, of the woman? Or physical health. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm um, talking about the mental health. So, I mean, through the third trimester. The third trimester goes all the way up to 40 weeks. Okay. But to the end of the third trimester. Yep. I don't think we have a limit in the bill. So, um, where it's obvious that a woman is about to give birth, she has physical signs of, of, that she is about to give a birth, would that still be a point at which she could request an abortion if she was so certified? She's dilating. Uh, Mr. Chairman, that would be a, you know, a decision that the doctor, the physician, and the woman would I understand make that. that. I'm asking point. if your bill allows that. My bill would allow that, yes. A bill during the giving of birth. Now, why are you, uh, I'm trying to understand. So I said exactly that. And because that's just what they said. And then other states got on board. And I, I mean, it, it, I have, I know many people, I live in New York. Many people that will say, describe themselves as pro-choice. They hear this and it, they're like, no, that's not what we believe at all. You know, if you're going to get an abortion, whatever, it's got to be immediate, like in the first month or trimester maximum. I mean, so, you know, at what point when a child can live, can be viable on his or her own, do we have an obligation to protect the most innocent? Because that's what it is. Uh, by the way, Michael Bloomberg, more news on him. He's actually paying influencers to make him seem cool. I'm not, I'm not making this up. It's in the Daily Beast. One day after the Iowa caucuses effectively botched by the disastrous rollout, billionaire Michael Bloomberg announced that he intended to capitalize on the chaos in the Hawkeye state by doubling the advertising budget of his presidential campaign. But in addition to a flood of traditional advertising on television, radio, online targets, uh, and targeting Super Tuesday voters, the campaign's advertising budget includes a strategy familiar to every other startup with tons of cash and a questionable business model, paying influencers to make it seem cool. Now, this is this is a booming business. I don't know if you know what this is yet. But anyway, so the Bloomberg campaign has now begun quietly a campaign uh, of branding content marketplace is what it is which connects social media influencers with brands who want to advertise to their followers to pitch influencers on creating content highlighting why they love mike bloomberg but they get paid to love mike bloomberg for example uh, for a fixed 150 dollars fee the bloomberg campaign is pitching micro influencers someone who has say a thousand or a hundred thousand followers and in the industry, maybe whatever social media, be it, you know, for example, Instagram. Uh, if you're a Kardashian and you decide you want to wear somebody's particular brand of clothing or a particular brand of jewelry uh, and you put it up on your account, guess what? They pay you big money for that, huge money for that. 
I mean, I think the youngest Kardashian is what worth like a billion dollars, isn't she? At this point, yep, yeah, right. And and through and I'm correct that there's huge money in doing this, right? So I could actually, maybe I could become a Bloomberg influencer, and you know we have millions and millions of followers, and we'll get Bloomberg to pay me, and I'll just hold up a Bloomberg for president side. I mean, it's okay. You're gonna pay me money to say I like this crap of yours. With me, nobody's going to believe it. It's a sad world when you have to pay for friends. That exactly. That he's paying for friends. Exactly. He's pay, paying to to seem like he's really cool. Let me get the cool people to support me. Now the ironic thing is, okay, the Kim Kardashian, Kanye West, actually have a good relationship with President Trump. Well, and this is quintessential Trump. They go see Trump. They tell him about Alice Marie Johnson, who we had on this program this week and on TV this week, and say, hey, this woman has done all of this. She's had one drug offense, a life sentence. It's unfair. Look at what she's done with her time in prison. They got not only her free, then they followed up again and said, all right, let's have full criminal justice reform. Good idea. And guess what? Kanye West and, and Kim Kardashian... Deserve a lot of credit for that. And the president deserves a lot of credit for saying, you're right, we need to do that. Hillary Clinton is now claiming a woman could never get away with emotionally acting out like Trump. Here we go again. Do I even want to go down this road? Bernie Sanders, I acknowledge there will be some job loss with my climate plans. That's a great campaign slogan. Uh, you got uh, Elizabeth Warren, I guess, is on MSDNC. And, you know, blaming, I guess, a long legacy of racism for her problems that she has with with labor unions, I guess. Anyway, the issue and I guess putting the best spin on possible, I guess one of their MSDNC reporters or hosts saying there's a story in political I saw you responded to. I want you to get your response about six women of color in Nevada, all this. Well, you know, and then he goes, I saw you responded to that and apologized. What do you want to say in response to what you're learning about that? Like, oh, good grief. How about we're one great American family, glorious nation under God. We are one great American family. And you got uh, Area 51, Roswell, Rachel Maddow having to press the DNC chair over the low Democratic turnout in Iowa. You know who had big turnout in Iowa? Donald Trump in his uncontested primary. Pretty amazing times we're living in, I'll tell you that. Uh, all right, a lot of news to get to. Uh, the latest, what a week it's been, the shift show in the Iowa Democratic Caucus, and uh, we'll get to that. The president's State of the Union address, even crit- critics, home run. Van Jones is warning that Donald Trump is, is getting African-American support in greater numbers than anybody ever thought. Why? Because he's doing great things for everybody in every demographic. We'll have that debate coming up throughout the course of the program, too. All right, loaded up. The uh, the president was so funny yesterday with Congressman Jim Jordan. He'll join us. What a week it's been. The chaos in Iowa. The State of the Union was spectacular. The acquitted for life. Yes, that now is uh, Donald Trump's. It stays with history. Love that, too. All coming up straight ahead. So he's the NCAA, meaning a couple of years ago when he was in college, wrestling champion. NCAA, that's the big deal. That means in all of college, you're the champ. You're the best. His record was 
ridiculous. Nobody would, nobody could beat him. And I see it, you know, every time I see it. When I first got to know him, Jim Jordan, when I first got to know Jim, I said, uh, huh, he never wears a jacket. <laughs> what the hell's going on? He's obviously very proud of his body. And they say where he works out, you know, with the congressmen, senators, they work at, they say when Jim works out, even though he's not as young as he was, but they, he works out, the machine starts burning. You know, it's just a different form of a workout than us. Right, Sonny? And there he is. Look at that guy. But one day I'm looking and he looks tough and I'm looking and I'm looking at those ears and I say, those ears have something going on there. I said, did you ever wrestle? Yeah, I did. But he doesn't talk. But I checked. This guy was a world, this guy was a champion, top, top wrestler. And when I had the top, I had all of the teams. And by the way, uh, your Super Bowl champions are coming, I think next week or soon, very soon. And they, every one of them want to be here. And the coach loves us. The coach is great, Andy Reid. And uh, every one of them want to be here. Uh, we have, uh, people love it, but we had all of the NCAA championship teams here. They had the golf, the basketball, the, they had every team here. And one of the teams was wrestling. The wrestling team was that Penn State. And Penn State won the title. They have a great team. And I walked up with Jim, and it's like I didn't exist. <laughs> Those wrestlers, they grabbed him. They love Jim Jordan, and we love you too, because you are some warrior. All right, that was the president. I mean, this was uh, an incredible press conference the president had yesterday on the heels of the National Prayer Breakfast. And the president, in in his very unique style and way, very funny, actually, um, thanking those people that were out there fighting against never-ending injustices that have been thrown his way for three solid years. Three years, never-ending, nonstop, insane hatred, psychosis, rage, and conspiracy theories and lies and slander and the whole bucket list. And what he was saying to Congressman Jim Jordan, friend of this program, is thank you. And what he was saying to Steve Scalise, you look better and, you know, it's cracking everybody up. Um, Thank you. And the Freedom Caucus, thank you. And Mark Meadows and Devin Nunes and John Ratcliffe and Andy Biggs, thank you. Anyway, Jim Jordan is with us now. Andy Biggs also with us Uh Jim, how many uh, how many wrestling matches did you lose, and why don't you wear a jacket? I didn't even think about that till I heard it. Well, you should have thanked Sean Hannity too for all you do for the country. Uh, but no, uh, not about right, me. Sean, it was a, it's a special day, and um, you think about what this what this president, in spite of this this relentless attack on him, what he has done for our country. You saw the jobs report. I mean, we 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 saw that State of the Union address and everything that the news that came out this week, and and the Democrats just put a sour sour you know Facebook on uh, all the. T- time um but he's doing the right things for the country and i guess uh you know it's kind of funny yesterday that, that the way he uh the way he does it, it it is just it's just funny the way he goes through it but it's uh we i appreciate this president it's almost so like he's, he's he do. wants to thank everybody but he's gonna roast you while he thanks you and <laughs> and make it funny fun. and entertaining it you know sure I, I andy biggs i say it's like the greatest show on earth but the best part of the show is that america's you know, look look at that State of the Union address. Look at every record uh, on the economy that's been shattered. Uh, look at the foreign policy success uh, with Soleimani, Baghdadi, the caliphate dead, and 
And you can look at the promises he made and the promises he's kept. I think he makes a strong case that, you know, in spite of really difficult working conditions, he can uh, accomplish a hell of a lot. Imagine if we actually got rid of the Democrats in the House and the Senate. And, you know, there's no telling how far we could go. Oh, that's exactly right. I mean, the, this president has a unique cap- capability to lead and get things done. I mean, he's driven by his desire to succeed, and he's des- driven by his desire for the country to succeed. I mean, every area you're talking about that he has succeeded in, it has come what, with an unprecedented attempt. Uh, I would call it a coup. It was a criminal conspiracy to remove this president. And he was able to bring this country uh, to uh, economic uh, stability again, great foundation, renew our prestige in the world, and the optimism that America has always known because we are a free people. And he really hit on all those points at his, uh, his State of the Union the other night. And, you know, you got people like Jim, people like you, who've really, really provided the cover against these these people, I mean, he called them horrible people yesterday. He's exactly right. These are horrible people that are trying to undermine this country, but he has a unique capacity to lead and, and help us to uh, to become a strong country the, the, again. But, you see, the problem is, and I brought this up all throughout the show last night and brought it up on this program yesterday, the biggest problem we now face is, you know, Nadler and, and the congenital compromised liar shift, and they're not stopping. Right. And to me, yeah. it's, you know, if we don't get to the bottom, and I'm serious about this. If we don't get to the bottom of all of this and where all of this came from, if if Joe and Hunter are allowed to get away with this, we've got a problem. If we don't get to the bottom of, of those involved in premeditated fraud on a FISA abuse or Hillary being held accountable uh, for the deletions of subpoenaed emails and bleach bitten hammers and the Espionage Act and everything else, if the Strucks and Pages and the McCabe's and the Comey's of the world get away with everything... I, I just I don't see how it ever ends completely because Nadler and Schiff are already talking about more impeachment and more investigations. Yeah, yeah that's right. They're never going to stop. Yeah, go ahead. That's Andy. right. So the yeah, only the only antidote is to elect Republicans in the House and Senate. That, yeah, that's, that's going to happen this that's going to happen this fall. Um, uh, if I could, Andy, that's yeah. going to happen this fall, Sean. You're you're right that the American people see this. And look, Bill Barr and John Durham are going to get to the bottom of what happened in Crossfire Hurricane, the Trump Russia investigation, and Senator Johnson, Senator Grassley are already trying to figure out what exactly Hunter Biden was up to and and, and what was going on there. So we got to we just we just got to do the, the hard work. But we have to understand they're never going to stop. I mean, Nadler's talking about subpoena and Bolton. Schiff is talking about the same thing, bringing him in. They are never going to quit. So we just got to keep focused on doing what we need to do, doing what the American people elect us to do. The truth wins in the end. And that is the key. I mean, the truth will end this impeachment. So just focus on the truth, getting the truth out to the American people, and we will be fine come this November, uh, this November's election. I, well, I mean, it's it's definitely doable because I don't see that they've done anything for the country here except I hate the president, and I think the accomplishments speak for themselves. What do you make of this, you know, shift show, if you will, with the Iowa caucus? Oh, I'll tell you, I, I think it, I think it's indicative of of their inability to to even run a caucus with fewer than 2,500 voters. I mean, Sean, Sheila Jackson Lee asked for the FBI to investigate to see if Russia um, hacked into the app, voting app there. That's how out of touch they are. They're, they're incompetent. Uh, but I think it also uh, points to the fact that 
that Republicans had their act together because on the other side of that, the Republican caucuses went perfectly. Uh, the enthusiasm was far greater, had more voters. And, and I, I hope that is an indication of things to come. And look, I, th- I think the agenda is the right thing. The one thing I will say is that for once, the Republicans, and I think both of you know how critical I've been, except with the exception, frankly, of the Freedom Caucus guys. I mean, I've seen and said about Republicans that they are weak, spineless, visionless, uh, that they, you know, that they don't fight. They don't keep their promises. For the first time since maybe 2010, I see a realignment happening, that that there is a revitalized Republican Party, Jim Jordan. And, you know, yep. and, and Kevin McCarthy, I got to tip my hat to him. I mean, when he brought yep. you into those hearings specifically, and by the way, the second you get brought into the hearings, they start leaking horrible articles about Jim Jordan yep. that have been debunked, uh, yep. and which, you know, the price, I guess, we all pay if we stand up for anything. And now even he's taken it a step further, he seems like that the leadership in Congress is now understanding that the Freedom Caucus is is trying to hold the entire caucus uh, true to their conservative promises and values. Yeah, no, we, we have never been this united. Uh, President Trump has done this. Kevin has done a great job as well. Uh, but President Trump has not only united Republicans. He's brought new people to the party. I, I remember sharing this with you, Sean, clear back in 2016. I'm at a campaign event, and this guy is, there's a long line of people after some speeches, and they're walking up to talk to me, and this guy gets up to me, and he doesn't say hello. He just points to me and says, I'm a union member, and I'm voting for Donald Trump. And I said, God bless you. I said, my dad's a union guy. He's voting for Donald Trump. We are seeing a realignment of the party. I did an event in Youngstown, Ohio, like 500 Republicans. We didn't, I didn't think there were that many Republicans in Youngstown. That is what's changing. This, this Not only is President Trump uniting the party. He's bringing new people to the Republican Party. And I think in Ohio and Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania and and all across our country, they're going to show up in November and speak loudly and speak clearly. Is it possible? And I know you're replacing Doug Collins um, as it relates to the the Judiciary Committee and sharing that an important committee. Is it possible to rescind this impeachment if the Republicans get back power? Yeah, I think it is. I mean, I think we can do a resolution. Uh, I know Andy's been looking into that. Others have as well. Uh, I think that, that that we can. But I, I, I and I think we should, frankly. But the American people see this. But I mean, they saw this that, that the truth was on the president's side. Four Democrats voted with us. Uh, two voted. Or excuse me, three voted with us. Uh, one of them voted president. One of them even switched parties. That's how wrong this whole thing was. That this process we went through. So if we get that opportunity, and I think there's a good chance we can take it back, um, we should do that. Oh, I think it's, it's definitely possible. Andy Biggs? Yeah, no, it's definitely possible, legally possible, constitutionally uh, possible. And and I think we should do it. I think we should do it because this has been, gosh, frankly, one of the one of the worst setups I've ever seen. Uh, uh, it, it was corrupt from the beginning. You know, I just I can't see the country rewarding them either in 270 days. I mean, I I mean, I think the country sees I think the country is adapted to the president's unique style. I think the country knew they were electing an iconoclastic figure, a non-establishment figure, a disruptive figure. And I I think that they rightly did so based on what has been happening to the country. And I think now, the, in spite of the media feigning their outrage that the president said BS, as if none of them ever say it, um, mm-hmm. that the American people get it. 
and and, yeah. and they like no, the I, jobs, yeah. and they like that we're not getting wrapped up in foreign entanglements, and they like better trade deals, and they like energy independence, and they think that the radical socialists that want to take our cars and oil and gas are nuts, and they are nuts. They, they are like what nuts. he's doing for the country. Yeah. Go ahead, Andy. Go, Go ahead, Andy. Yeah. Well, I was well, going to say, say, John, they like what they do. they like what he's doing for the country. They like the results, and and they, they every time the president speaks, these big rallies that the president has, I've, I'm convinced every single person in that arena, in that in that building, knows that the president truly cares for them. He has a way of communicating. He's looking out for their interests. He's fighting for their family. He's fighting for their community, and they see the results, and they they understand that this president truly wants to make America great, truly wants to keep America great, truly wants to fight for the things he said he was going to fight for that we elected him to do. And that comes through every single time. The crazy left doesn't see that, but most Americans do. And that's why this, they appreciate the work that this guy is doing on, uh, on their behalf. I think that's what the difference is. How does this now play out the next 270 days? Who do you guys see? We'll start with you, Andy, uh, on the Democratic side emerging. Is it Sanders? Is it Buttigieg? Is it Bloomberg? I mean, who emerges, do you think? I think uh Buttigieg is going to be the one that emerges, and I, I think because the Democrat ha- Democrats have the fix in there. I mean, part of what Iowa was about, part of what you're going to see in New Hampshire is they're going to try to suppress Bernie Sanders. They don't want him there. And Buttigieg is uh, quite a, a potentially divisive figure in his own right. Um, and I think that, that, uh, that he's the guy that, that they're going to try to hang their hat on, but I don't think he's going to have the gas, not not in the least to derail what President Trump has done. I mean, I, just a quick point on the rallies. Everybody that goes in there, they become an evangelist. They know how they, how they feel. They understand their lives have been improved since we got rid of the old regime and brought in this new president, new administration. The reality is they become evangelists, and that is part of the magic of the rallies of Donald Trump. By the way, I mean, I, you didn't even give a, you didn't even give about a fight, Jim Jordan. What's up with that? I mean, you, you're a wrestler. You just you know you just folded like a cheap suit. Uh, all we did is call the honorary member of the Freedom Caucus, Sean Hannity, and say, "Who do you like?" And you said Andy Biggs. We said that's the guy, and he's doing a great. And he's doing a great. Yeah, Andy, job. you believe that, right? Sure, Andy. <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I'm I'm gullible. You bet. <laughs> yeah, it, it's like the mob in the media. Sean Hannity tells the president what to do, and I'm like, uh, nobody tells the president what to do. He tells himself what to do. And and the greatest example of that, and you guys tell me if I'm wrong, would be um, how many people have told Donald Trump maybe you should stop tweeting. And he still oh, yeah. tweets, yeah. so he makes but, up his but, own but mind on like everything. The, the three of what? us like it. I, mean, I love when he does this because this is how. Yeah. It, I mean, it's, I, I like when he does. <laughs> uh, we can't yeah. do this without you, great guys. Andy Biggs, Jim Jordan, thank you. Uh, when we come back, we got your calls coming up. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, you want to be a part of the program? All right, twenty five till the top of the hour. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean, if you want to be a part of the program, I, I mentioned earlier in the week the latest poll to come out showing dramatic increases in support among African Americans, Hispanic Americans in particular, for President Trump and his policies. When you look at the list of accomplishments. Even Van Jones, remember, there's a white lash uh, on election night 2016 saying, uh, you're not paying attention. He's helping out historically black colleges and he gave them a lifeline and you're missing what he's doing. Opportunity zones. And yeah, these records that he is setting record low unemployment levels for every demographic are real. And uh, you better understand that this uh, the, he, he is going for every voter which is what every president should do, shouldn't they? I mean, 
You know, that's why looking at Bloomberg, you know, falling right into the the same trap as every liberal Democrat, and that is identity politics. How about we do what's great for every American plan? That's it. And, you know, one glorious nation under God. We are one family, as the president says in his rallies. That would be good for everybody. But we can't even agree on killing Soleimani is a good thing or giving a scholarship uh, to a young woman in, uh, at the State of the Union speech. It just is uh, unbelievable. But, you know, that's like Buttigieg and Warren, you know, Warren blasting Buttigieg for taking advantage of white male privilege by claiming victory in Iowa. I'm like, well, I don't think anybody can really claim victory in Iowa because it was an unmitigated disaster. But... It does. It is a reminder. You know, if Obamacare wasn't a big enough warning about how government fails and does not fulfill promises on a spectacular level, if that doesn't, you know, wake you up because all of us are paying more, on average, nearly 200 percent, 175 percent more on average in our health care premiums and the coverage sucks. (laughs) We got less coverage. And millions lost their doctors and millions lost their plans. There is close to 40 percent of Americans in this country now. They have one Obama care exchange option, period. Take it or leave it. Now, the mandate tax gone. Thanks to President Trump. It should have been gone. That's when I that's when I had had it the most with Republicans after the president gets elected and all those show votes on health care. And then when it mattered, oh, yeah, we didn't really mean what we were saying. That was just for show. How could you not be ready for that moment? How many years ago that this book, uh, Goodman, Musgrave, Patient, Power, Health Savings Accounts, I mean, they didn't even have, they had no plan they all agreed on. And if Republicans are going to run on a national platform, which I think they should, I say that every election year, some type of contract that everybody agrees to, they can win the House, they can win the Senate, and that would end any future uh, Schumer, Schiff, Sham shows and and any of these ridiculous conspiracy theories. Now, the media mob will do it, but they can't help themselves. They're just going to do it because they can. But the Democrats, you take power away from them, this impeachment stuff, which they would probably would do in perpetuity, ends. They're already talking about it now. Well, we can still go back and impeach them over there at fake news CNN. You know, this it's not double jeopardy. You can you, you can go back and impeach them again. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's it's after all of this. Uh, and, and what a spectacular fail. It's it's incredible to me. At what point do you begin to care more about solving problems for the country then you care about hating Donald Trump. Pretty simple politics here. American people see through this. They understand it. Uh, here's an interesting idea. Kevin McCarthy, I loved his tweet the other day. We put it on TV. And he actually rips up, he, he rips up the articles of impeachment on Twitter, videos it, ripping it up, uh, and he goes, uh, acquitted for life. Considering that, you know, that's now the talking point. Do, you have, do we have a montage on this is now permanent? This is a stain on his record. He's impeached for life, impeached for life. Remember we had Nancy, 
You don't have that. Okay. Anyway, so he did that. Now, he also picked up on an, an endorsement for his proposal to wipe the Democrats' impeachment hoax from the official congressional record. The Epic Times says outside the White House earlier today, Trump was asked about expunging impeachment, to which he replied, they should, because it was all a hoax. That's a really good question. And then he added, should they expunge the impeachment in the House? Uh, they should, as, he, as I just said to you. And then the idea was floated by Kevin McCarthy earlier this week after the president's acquittal, saying that he would move to expunge it. I don't think it should stay on the books, he stated. Now, one other thing that's happening. Uh, Florida Senator Rick Scott, former governor, he's such a nice guy. He's, you know, I love Rick Scott a lot. Rick Scott is a roll up your sleeves, get it done for the people of Florida guy. He's not the most dynamic guy on the campaign trail. So he, all his races, oh, just too close for a guy that does so much good work for the people of Florida. Um, he came up with a, a good idea um, because I guess maybe as much as some conservatives would want to, you know, impeach the next Democratic president. I'm not for that. Uh, you know, because th it's not good for the country. But Rick Scott has a good idea. Scott made the announcement with the aim of making it more difficult for presidents in the future to be impeached, saying that the United States should never again have to suffer from this partisan hackery. So he's proposing an amendment for the Constitution that would re require a supermajority vote of three-fifths of the House in order to approve the articles of impeachment instead of the current threshold of a simple majority. He said after this partisan charade by, you know, Petty Pelosi and the House Dems, uh, I'm introducing an amendment that would raise the threshold to approve articles of impeachment to a three-fifth majority, which not, will happen, I don't know, probably not, uh, but it could. Uh, let's see. Oh, Rand Paul is getting attacked by John Brennan for reading the name of the whistleblower. Oh, what a terrible offense. The non-whistleblower. Hearsay whistleblower. The thing is, you can't let this go now. Bidens will be investigated. Biggest loser in this? The Bidens. Next biggest losers? Democratic Party in toto. Three years culminating in what? Vindication. Again. What have they done for the American people? Nothing. Uh, all right, let's get to our phones here. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Mark is in Detroit, the great city of Detroit, hopefully greater again. Uh, how are you, Mark? What's going on? My God, Sean, what a patriot you are. And thank God I'm finally on your show. Uh, just, just an honor. I want to use this moment first, and I hope President Trump is listening to your show because I know he does is to let him know, as a voter and a fellow patriot and a citizen, who I also voted for him, is that for him, that great warrior, to take a break, relax, hug your family, and when you look at yourself in the mirror and you see a speck in your eye, know that every damn American out there has a speck in his own eye. And thank God for you, because if it wasn't for him... None of this corruption would have been brought to light. And this is what draining he, the swamp looks like. This is what exactly. And you know, you know who taught mm -hmm. me that, Sean, was Rush Limbaugh. I listened to yeah, his right. program, and he, he said, "I know it sounds crazy, but this is what it looks like." 
Look, imagine and, this. If you're a swamp creature, imagine what a swamp is. Uh, yeah, I was in yeah. West Monroe, Louisiana, and I was hanging out with Willie Robertson, and, and I was hanging out with his father, and they wanted to, they wanted to baptize me in a wow. swamp in their backyard, and I'd watched the show before, and I know there are alligators in the swamp. I said, <laughs> I said um, with all due respect, guys, I'm not going to get baptized in a swamp with alligators. I said, if you find me a pool somewhere or a bathtub, I'll, I'll, I'll do it in a second. I accept Jesus yeah. Christ as my Lord and my Savior, but not in a well, swamp. But when you drain no. the swamp, then the ugly, dirty swamp creatures come out. Now, here's, here's my message to the Democrats, and I don't mean the citizens of America. I mean the rotten, scoundrel Democrats and the liberals who tried to take our president down. I've had to endure for the last damn near four years of listening to them spout and trying to persuade the less-minded people uh, of their agenda. Well, it's my turn, and you gave me my turn. I've got the golden microphone now. And I say to them, you've been put on notice. It's time for you guys to go to jail, because if anybody's going to do it, they have no idea. Barr is in the pipeline. And Durham, that pit bull, it's coming. And If we don't fix it all... It's going to happen again. It will embolden them to abuse power continually. And that then we begin to then shred our Constitution, equal justice, equal application of our laws. We can't have a dual justice system. That's why all of it from the Russia hoax to everything, FISA abuse, Hillary's obstruction, Espionage Act, Ukraine quid and pro and quo and Joe and, and zero experience hunter. It all has to be dealt with. There can be missing nothing and they need to be treated the way we would be treated if it was us or maybe uh, treat if we ever treated them the way they treated General Flynn. Could you imagine that? And I hope that that all comes to the right conclusion after all he's been through the thanks you get for 33 years. Um, well, I'll tell you what, though, it. Imagine when, you know, the president, one thing I'll say about Donald Trump that I've always known, he's, so, he's the opposite of a politician. Every politician, they, they, it's sort of like they try to hide who they really are. They're very calculated. They're very measured. They're very, they all lack to some degree, to be honest, some authenticity. Donald Trump, what you see is what you get. It is who he is. He's being as real as he can be. American people saw that. They have now adapted, I argue, to his style. They know he's never going to be that establishment conventional president. He can be very presidential. We saw that at the State of the Union address. Wow. Uh, didn't you feel good being an American? The list of accomplishments on top of it? And he's a fighter. Okay, well, he's not going to get a good trade deal with China unless he fights. He's not going to get the wall money unless he fights for it. He's not going to get the success of of the things that he's won unless you fight for it. Now, somehow, I guess people expect that that switch is supposed to go off. It doesn't go off. He fights. And I want a fighter fighting for the American people. And if he fights with the media in the meantime, I don't care. The media need to get over themselves. I mean, there's, you know, this feigned outrage in the media. Oh, uh, the vapors. Oh, did you? Oh, Joe. Oh, 
You know, you watch them. It, I don't even believe they're outraged. They act like they've never said the word BS. We've all said the word BS. I grew up in New York. Said a lot worse. Still do. Just not on air. Anyway, Mark, thank you. Um, The swing state of Ohio, we will be watching Ohio 270 days, Hamilton County, Cuyahoga County, go through the whole state. How are you? Uh, Scott, glad you called. Thanks for taking my call, Sean. I just wanted to let Jim Jordan know that how proud we are of people of the United States and and citizens and uh, to represent Ohio. We couldn't ask for a better man to fight the fight he does, supporting our president and supporting the people of our country. I mean, uh, really, I'm proud that he is my senator. He represents my state and and everything he does. Uh, One thing that's kind of heavy on my mind is the voter fraud situation uh, coming up into this next election. I know the Democrats are scheming on this. I know that uh, it, it happened last time, but what do we do to regulate these magical votes that's found at the last minute and then tallied in? Because we all know where they're coming from, and, and what is there or what can uh, can be done about this situation with the uh, the votes that are, that are found? That, that kind of concerns me. Well, I, the whole thing concerns me, and the people that couldn't run that, we expect that they're going to run any other government program, really, take over the entire health care system. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. And warning the Democrats, what he was saying to African Americans can be effective. You may not like it. But he mentioned HBCUs. Our black colleges have been struggling for a long time. A bunch of them have gone under. Uh, he threw a lifeline to them uh, in real life, in, in his budget. He talked about that. He talked about the criminal justice reform. He talked about opportunity zones. I think that we, we got to wake up, folks. There's a whole bubble thing that goes on. We say, well, he said S-hole nations, therefore all black people are going to hate him forever. That ain't necessarily so. And I think what you're going to see him do is say, you may not like my rhetoric, but look at my results, look at my record to black people. And if he narrow casts that, it's going to be effective, which means as we move through this primary process, we've got to pay a lot more attention both to what's going on with the Latino vote. Um, is, is, are we going to get a benefit in terms of you know, having them respond? And with the black vote, is there going to be a split off, for, especially for black male voters? We got to be clinical about this stuff. We get so emotional about it. That was a ro- that was a warning to us, a warning shot across the bow of Democrats that he's going after enough black folks to cause us problems. It's not just the white suburban voters. He's going after black vote. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black president in part. And that's the part where the pain comes. All right, News Roundup Information Overload Hour. He, that was Van Jones, the second cut uh, on election night 2016. That was also Van Jones saying, yeah, Donald Trump has bailed out historically black colleges. And yeah, he's the guy that released Alice Murray Johnson and followed up with what so many other presidents before him had promised real criminal justice reform to get rid of disparate sentencing. And and those that have committed in the case of Alice Murray Johnson, who was on the show earlier in the week, a friend of the show, inspiring figure, uh, a, a a life sentence for one, you know, one crime, one nonviolent crime. Um, so he got that done and opportunity zones and criminal justice reform. And I think the most important statistic is just look at every month, month after month, record low unemployment for African-Americans, the lowest it has ever been in the history of this country. 
And we keep shattering that record as his presidency moves on. Add to that African-American youth unemployment, the lowest it has ever been recorded. Uh, now you see the polls are showing it. No longer are these outlier polls. We had what uh, John Zogby this week, 22 percent. We've had polls supporting the African-American community for Donald Trump at 34 and a half percent, 34 percent, 33 percent, 28 percent. Uh, 22 percent, 20. The lowest was 16 of all the nine or 10 recent polls that have emerged. Uh, if he got 16 percent of African-American support in 270 days, that would be double what he had in 2016. Now, will these positions that are, are clearly demonstrably, demonstrably impacting and helping every demographic group in the country Will that translate into voting opportunities? Anyway, here to debate, discuss, we have Vince Ellison is with us, conservative columnist, lecturer, author of the book The Iron Triangle, and the Reverend uh, uh, Charles Christian Adams is with us. He's a pastor of uh, the Hartford Memorial Baptist Church. Uh, well, Reverend, I'll start with you. I mean, when you have record after record, low uh, black unemployment in the country and and African-Americans, Hispanic-Americans, Asian-Americans, women in the workplace, youth unemployment, African-American youth unemployment. And then you have criminal justice reform. I'd say the president's doing pretty well. And he's fulfilling promises that Democrats say they they, they will fulfill and never get done. Well, the problem is, is that a lot of the jobs that have been created uh, are not livable wages. And we That's still have no, that, no I got to stop you. I got to stop. Reverend, 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 you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. That is Amen, not true. Brother. That is not what you just said, sir, is not true. Because if you look at the real gains in wages, it is the bottom 50% of wage earners that have done dramatically better than the top 10%. And real wage growth is now at the highest point it has been in two decades. Yeah, but what you are not looking at is the poverty index in certain zip codes in this country. So you can't even get to talk about the inner city. You have to talk about certain places within the inner cities, which these opportunity zones are supposed to help, but yet it has not. It's just been a lot of rhetoric. It's not been a lot of talk but there has not been a lot of help in areas that are facing uh, high poverty rates. And I am, the, I believe what you say, if you say top, the lower wage earners are making more money, great. But uh, that statistic seems spurious to me when I see the poor getting poorer and the rich Well, the, well I can go back in the Obama years, the Biden years, and we had 13 million more Americans on food stamps, 8 million more in poverty, and the lowest labor participation rate since the 70s. And I'll go to Vince Ellison. And those that were disproportionately negatively impacted were minorities in America. So, I mean, and look at, all, look at every big liberal city, Vince, that has been run into the ground uh, by liberal Democrats uh, and and again, impacting minority communities in, in unimaginably bad ways. And they don't even fix the problem. You have 13 high schools in Baltimore with not a single kid. Not one well, is proficient in well, reading or math. Well, 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 Sean, in my book, The Iron, Iron Triangle, I, I talk about that. I talk about the, uh, the, the, the big problem in the black community. They deflect very well. Uh, like we just heard the good Reverend do. 
Uh, the problem is most black preachers, most black civic organizers, and most black politicians, they're the Iron Triangle. When you go down into the black community, and they'll tell us that, that white Republicans or white conservatives are the problem. But when you go down into the black community, you don't see any white Republicans or white conservatives. You'll see a leprechaun before you see one. But they will tell you that they're the problem. Now, you can't turn around without running into a black, a black Democrat. They're everywhere. And if you want to talk, and so if you look at their fruits, and our Bible tells us about the fruits, you will know them. You cannot get uh, bad fruit from a good tree. You cannot get, get good fruit from a bad tree. So if we look at the fruits, as we look at what's going on in the city of, uh, of Detroit, you, know, you got the third highest murder rate, you got violent crime rate, second highest in the nation. You got a population that fell from 1,850,000 to 680,000 in 2015, filed for bankruptcy in 2013. You know, uh, we, we've heard this, this, this division, this hate, this unforgiveness, this envy, this victimization, and this pride coming from the black community and black leaders for years. But most of it comes from the poor pits of black churches. They teach victimization, and they are not held accountable, and they take no accountability for anything that happens down there. Yet they call themselves our leaders. But when it comes down, when it comes to holding them accountable, for what's going on in the black community. They always point outside of it and say it's somebody else. That's not leadership. That's cowardice. Well, let's ask a simple question then. Are African Americans demonstrably better with the policies of Donald J. Trump as president or Barack Obama as president and Joe Biden, quid pro quo Joe, as vice president? Uh, so what's your answer Trump, to that, Reverend? We began to see we began to see economic growth towards the end of the uh, Obama administration. It continued to grow. Some have even argued that growth has slowed has slowed down, uh, which is probably you're not answering my right, question. As, as the, Can you I demonstrably was, show no, me economic growth? Under well, why the didn't why didn't Obama Barack Obama do? Wait a minute. Why, also, why didn't why didn't Barack Obama's administration help out historically black colleges? Why didn't Barack Obama's administration release Alice Marie Johnson, ad, adopt criminal justice reform, uh, dealing Barack with disparate Obama sentencing, and, and create opportunity zones? And why didn't Barack Obama in eight years uh, shatter record after record of of low unemployment in the African American community? Why didn't he do that? I don't know the exact statistics now, but uh, well, I do. Barack I just gave Obama them to you. Did. No, no. A, a good number of people, and we still have to look at access to capital, and that's what you guys are not. Yeah, taking I, into I, I mean, I, I find this unbelievable whatever, to whatever me. Whatever this gentleman is who wrote this book, that's on the other line. What is he doing? Now I can tell you what my church is doing. We have developed a Home Depot, a Kentucky Fried Chicken, a long You're going to regret Silver's, asking this question, but go ahead. Burgers. We have built a sixteen million dollar senior. Uh, apartment building. We actually had Ben Carson come in and cut the ribbon because there were some uh, HUD funds used in this. It's not even you affordable. You people have bankrupted Detroit. This gentleman Detroit on the other was line the is doing Detroit, Detroit was the richest city in the world, and y'all destroyed it. You have crime, you have drugs, you have prostitution, the worst schools in the world, and you're proud of it. You're sitting here bragging about destroying a city and destroying a people. This is the problem. You do not understand that you are corrupt and that you are an apostate. Your cannot give your, it. And this ignorant man on the other line who was just talking to be heard is offering nothing. 
You are the coward, my friend, not me. Not my church. And whoa, I whoa, whoa, whoa. Stop, stop right there. All right, you, you have now attacked Vince. Vince, respond. Yes, he's the coward. I look at your city. I look at how you've destroyed it. I look at the crime, the drugs, and I look that every time Donald Trump tries to come in and get children out of failing schools, you stop it. When you try to do welfare reform, you stop it. When he tries to put the police in to protect the children of the people or give them Second Amendment rights, you stop it. When he tries to keep the illegals out to, to, so that people can have jobs and so that they can uh, keep the drugs out, you stop it. It's you. It's not him. Tell me, tell me some real criminal justice reform that you are offering. You know, your law and order rhetoric is not going to solve any of the problems that we are facing. And run you out. And when, That's you, my when you balance the scale, in education, and when you provide equal opportunity and access to capital, you're going to see some of those social problems. Have you corrected. built a school at your and, church yet? And what has happened, Have we you heard built Trump a school say when he came church? in that we had nothing to lose, Have you so built he a got elected. You know, how has urban, Have you built urban a agenda really borne any fruit? Or are you too busy riding in your Cadillac? Have you built a school at your church yet? We have, have built a school. We have several we have several programs that introduce educational opportunity to people within our community. You look up Parker Memorial yet, Baptist yet Church, now, my you friend, Donald Trump. and they will tell you, you about Donald it. Trump from giving school choice to poor black children to get out of those bad schools in Detroit because you support the NAACP and the teachers' unions. You support the NAACP and unrestricted abortion, even though it is against the discipline of your church. You support the NAACP and LGBTQ, even though it is against the discipline of your church. You support unrestricted abortion rights, and you're a minister of the gospel, and even though it is against the discipline of your church. And against All right, the I got to take a God, break. You... Take a break. We'll come back more with Vince Ellison, Reverend Charles Christian Adams. Your calls on the other side and the best audio of the week, and what a week it's been. And as we wrap things up, Vince Ellison, uh, author of The Iron Triangle, uh, lecturer, author, columnist, Reverend uh, Charles Christian Adams, presiding pastor of Hartford Memorial Baptist Church. You know, Vince, I, I, I've known Reverend Adams here for a long time, and it seems like uh, there's nothing that conservatives can ever do that help well, no, minority communities well, no, that, that he's going to be impressed look, look. with because, you know, record after record seems impressive to me. Look, the, the uh, uh, Democratic Party infiltrated and controlled the black church, um, and, uh, and they've had it ever since. And a lot of these people, uh, these, these uh, pastors, I don't know about um, Mr. Christian Adams here, I don't know him, but I know the ones that I know, a lot of them are paid uh, to take black people to the polls. They are concerned with one thing, the black vote, period, point blank. And as long as they can keep black people ignorant, uneducated, and poor, they can control them. It is about control. They, they refuse any help. They have not pivoted or changed direction in 50 years. Full speed ahead in, in failure, full, full speed ahead in poverty. But when it comes down to helping out the masses, they do not have a plan. We have school choice. We have uh, giving people the right to defend themselves. We have uh, 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 enterprise zones and entrepreneurship. This is, what we, this is what we're talking about doing. All they talk about doing is welfare, giveaways, handouts, victimization, envy, uh, trying to get some reparations and allow the drugs, the crime, the anger, the envy to continue. And it's killing us. Our people are dying. My book talks about how their main goal is to make sure that black and white Christians stay separated, how we cannot ever come together and change this nation. 
for the goodness of God in Jesus Christ. They fight against that every chance they get. And if you want to hear some hate, you remember GD America. If you want to hear some hate, go to the black pulpits of America on a Sunday morning and see what these people be saying. All right, let's it, give it, the Reverend Adams the last word. Yeah, it, I don't agree with your book, and I respectfully do not agree with your book. Uh, we do not preach hate. We have uh, challenged the status quo. But now that the administration's been in place, uh, the burden of proof is on change. So if you say that these things are going to bear fruit, then they need to bear fruit, my friend. And uh, having gun access and, and quote-unquote, having people being able to defend themselves is not helping urban America. Because i got to let it go here. Thank you both for being with us. When we come back... Our best audio of the week. What a week it's been. And your calls, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour. We'll hit the phones, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. I mean, what a week this has been. We had the State of the Union. We, you know, we had the acquittal of the president. We had the Iowa caucus debacle. This is the best audio of the week. Uh, the, the guy in the White House is chuckling all night here, showing the Democrats can't even get a three-car funeral organized or whatever you want to call it. I would say to the people of Iowa, well, the last person leaving Des Moines, please turn out the lights. This wow. has not been a success. And if the, if, if the party gets into, into a civil war situation uh, sometime this spring going into the summer, we got a real disaster because if Trump isn't challenged, that's an historic loss for the country. If he's not facing a serious challenger, and I wonder about that happening. We have real concerns about the integrity of the process. And I think there were some significant failures in the process last night that should give voters concern. You know, you obviously had the app failure. Ms. Hutchinson, I also want to thank you about bringing up the poverty draft and this idea of a bootstrap. You know, this idea and this metaphor of a bootstrap started off as a joke because it's a physical impossibility to lift yourself up by a bootstrap, by your shoelaces. It's physically impossible. The whole thing is a joke. Uh, quickly, I hope that the Iowa Democrats will ask for an FBI investigation on the app. I believe that Russia has been engaged in interfering with a number of our elections uh, dealing with the, the 21 election. I'm sorry, the um, 2016 election. In this article of impeachment, 48 senators have pronounced Donald John Trump, president of the United States, guilty as charged. 52 senators have pronounced him not guilty as charged. Two-thirds of the senators present not having pronounced him guilty. The Senate adjudges that the respondent, Donald John Trump, President of the United States, is not guilty as charged in the first article of impeachment. On this article of impeachment, 47 senators have pronounced Donald John Trump, President of the United States, guilty as charged. Fifty-three senators have pronounced him not guilty as charged. Two-thirds of the senators present not having pronounced him guilty. The Senate adjudges that respondent, Donald John Trump, President of the United States, is not guilty as charged in the second article of impeachment. Uh, we are now, the, the Senate has spoken in terms of any punishment to the president. He's impeached forever, no matter what he says or whatever headlines he wants to carry around. You're impeached forever. You're never getting rid of that scar. Uh, history will always record that you were impeached for undermining the security of our country, jeopardizing the integrity of our elections, and violating the Constitution of the United States. Acquitted for life. 
I am thrilled to report to you tonight that our economy is the best it has ever been. Our military is completely rebuilt with its power being unmatched anywhere in the world, and it's not even close. Our borders are secure. Our families are flourishing. Our values are renewed. Our pride is restored. And for all of these reasons, I say to the people of our great country and to the members of Congress, the state of our union is stronger than ever before. In the gallery tonight, we have a young gentleman and what he wants so badly, 13 years old, Ian Lonfay. He's an eighth grader from Arizona. Ian, please stand up. Ian has always dreamed of going to space. He was the first in his class and among the youngest at an aviation academy. He aspires to go to the Air Force Academy, and then he has his eye on the Space Force. As Ian says, most people look up at space. I want to look down on the world. <laughs> but sitting behind Ian tonight is his greatest hero of them all. Charles McGee was born in Cleveland, Ohio, one century ago. Charles is one of the last surviving Tuskegee Airmen, the first black fighter pilots, and he also happens to be Ian's great-grandfather. Incredible story. After more than 130 combat missions in World War II, he came back home to a country still struggling for civil rights, and went on to serve America in Korea and Vietnam. On December 7th, Charles celebrated his 100th birthday. A few weeks ago, I signed a bill promoting Charles McGee to Brigadier General. And earlier today, I pinned the stars on his shoulders in the Oval Office, General McGee, our nation salutes you. Thank you, sir. Here tonight is a special man, beloved by millions of Americans, who just received a stage four advanced cancer diagnosis. This is not good news, but what is good news is that he is the greatest fighter and winner that you will ever meet. Rush Limbaugh, thank you for your decades of tireless devotion to our country. And Rush, in recognition of all that you have done for our nation, the millions of people a day that you speak to and that you inspire, and all of the incredible work that you have done for charity, I am proud to announce tonight that you will be receiving our country's highest civilian honor, the Presidential Medal of Freedom. I will now ask the First Lady of the United States to present you with the honor, please. And this is really not a news conference. It's not a speech. 
It's not anything. It's just we're sort of, uh, it's a celebration because we have something that just worked out. I mean, it worked out. We went through hell unfairly, did nothing wrong, did nothing wrong. I've done things wrong in my life, I will admit. Not purposely, but I've done things wrong. But this is what the end result is. You can take that home, honey. Maybe we'll frame it. It's the only good headline I've ever had in the Washington Post. But every paper is the same. Does anybody have those papers? Does anybody have them? Because they're really uh, like that. So I appreciate that. I just want to thank my family for sticking through it. This was not part of the deal. I was going to run for president, and if I won, I was going to do a great job. I didn't know that I was going to run, and then when I got in, I was going to have to run again and again and again. Every week, I had to run again. That wasn't the deal, but they stuck with me. And I'm so glad I did it, because we are making progress and doing things for our great people that everybody said couldn't be done. Our country is thriving. Our country is just respected again. I've always said they're lousy politicians, but they do two things. They're vicious and mean. Vicious. These people are vicious. Adam Schiff is a vicious, horrible person. Nancy Pelosi is a horrible person. And she wanted to impeach a long time ago when she said, I pray for the president. I pray for the president. She doesn't pray. She may pray, but she prays for the opposite. But I doubt she prays at all. All right, let's get to our phones. What a week this has been as we, let's see, let's go to Robert is in the, yes, liberal state of California, uh, where they pay 13.5% state income tax, uh, where it's a sanctuary state, and we know the disaster that we discussed yesterday. And, of course, uh, uh, we have big liberal cities that are in decline at a rate that is unimaginable, like San Francisco and L.A., how are you, uh, Robert? Glad you called. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Hannity. How are you today, sir? I'm good, sir. How are you? I'm doing spectacular. I was just asking your opinion on what Nancy was trying to accomplish by ripping up the documents. It just seemed so childish and so petty. If the children on my bus behave that way, I drive kindergarten through high school on one bus. And if my kids on my bus behave that way, they wouldn't be on my bus anymore. <laughs> it's you know, it's uh, listen. I'm it. It is who they are. I mean, the funniest thing is, and I didn't pick it up. I'm kind of mad at myself that I missed it. I know as I was watching the State of the Union, I, I she was so distracting at one point, and and friends of mine are texting me, "Are you seeing this? What the hell?" She's mumbling to herself. She's looking all over the place, but I missed that she was putting tears for the preordained show after the State of the Union where she was going to rip up the speech, so she didn't want the rips to, to not work, so she was pre-ripping them. Um, it's, you know, petty Pelosi. I mean, there's... I, I just will tell you, it is who they are, and this is why, you know, they're already talking about another impeachment, another impeachment. You know, he's impeached for life. We got him. Well, maybe not, according to some Republicans, but we'll see. But the antidote to this, if we want to put an end to the conspiracy theories and the lies and the hoaxes and the and the smears and the slander, there's only one way to do it. And that is in 270 days, 
You're the ultimate jury. You go into the voting booth. And if you're going to support President Trump, I hope you'll support whatever congressman or woman is in your district that is in his party and any senator that is in his party. That's how we beat them. There's no other way. Otherwise, it's going to be four more years of endless, nonstop, you know, rage and hatred. Now, we can't do anything about the mob and the media. Well, we actually can. You can turn them off, which you pretty much do. I mean, I see the ratings every day. America's done a good job of tuning out these these liberal, radical channels that peddle lies and conspiracy theories. They're not watching them anymore and, and live off a diet of fake news every day. People are not consuming their product anymore. Um, it's, it's fascinating for me to watch it every day. It makes, you know, it's, it's good for my business because we tell the truth. I'm in the truth-telling business. Um, anyway, Robert, uh, good call. And you know what? You're, you're a bus driver, you said, right? Yes, sir. I'm what a great Duncan thing. What, what a great responsibility you have every day for those little kids that get on your bus. And that is what you are, just one example of what makes America great. You're keeping kids safe every day. Well, thank you, sir. Thank you for what you do. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, all right? As we, let's see, head to Craig in Florida. We'll be watching Florida closely. Yep, especially, let's see, Palm Beach County, Broward County, the Panhandle, Southwest Florida, Collier, Lee County. Uh, How are you, Craig? Glad you called. I'm doing okay, Sean. want to start by saying thank you for everything that you do getting everything out there to the people well thank you for helping me do it uh, i main reason i called in was over the last week i i listened to you as much as i can it's a little tough during the day watch it at night but over the last week i heard you spoke i believe her name was mrs johnson and speaking yeah Al- alice marie johnson yes yes about uh unfairness in our legal system and then the next day you were speaking about obamacare and Years ago, when Obamacare kicked in, my family, we lost our insurance. It did nothing for us but put us in a lot of trouble. The company I worked for at the time when it came in could no longer afford to offer its employees insurance. My wife had been suffering with blood pressure problems and migraine headaches that she had been treated very successfully for until that point. Um, after that, we were unable to afford insurance, and she had to go on Medicare. Or Medicaid and the doctors that Medicaid afforded were they in my opinion they were just pill pushers get people in and out as quick as possible and over the course of the next year or so they would given her so many pills she became addicted to prescription opiates yeah and it's by the way this is such yeah. a common story this is such a common story this is a well, very very common thing that happens it is tragic they, they actually had down in Florida what they call the pill mills. You know those places that they've, Pam Bondi began to close them all down, where you'd walk mm-hmm. in, oh, my back hurts. Okay, what do you like? Uh, yeah. Oxycontin. Okay, go next door. Mm-hmm. Here's, your, here's your prescription. And then the next thing yep. you know, people are addicted. And being addicted yeah. to opioids is it's now like a death sentence. Many prayers uh, you know, to you and your family. I know it's tough. All right, load it up. Hannity, 9 Eastern tonight. Full coverage, what a week, State of the Union, acquittal forever. And, of course, the debacle, which is the Democratic Party and a primary and a complete and utter meltdown and chaos. 9 Eastern on Hannity on Fox. We'll see you then. Have a great weekend. 
back here on Monday.